0: Section one of the Argonautica This is a Librivox recording. All Librivox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit Librivox.org. The Argonautica by Apollonius Rhodius, translated by R. C. Seaton. Section one, Book One, Part One. Beginning with thee, O Phoebus, I will recount the famous deeds of men of old, who at the behest of King Peleus, down through the mouth of Pontus, and between the Cyenean rocks, sped well-benched Argo in quest of the Golden Fleece. Such was the oracle that Peleus heard, that a hateful doom awaited him to be slain at the prompting of the man whom he should see coming forth from the people with but one sandal. And no long time after, In accordance with that true report, Jason crossed the stream of wintry Onorus on foot, and saved one sandal from the mire, but the other he left in the depths held back by the flood. And straightway he came to Peleus, to share the banquet which the king was offering to his father Poseidon and the rest of the gods, though he paid no honor to Pelasgian Hera. Quickly the king saw him, and pondered, and devised for him the toil of a troublous voyage, in order that on the sea or among strangers he might lose his home return. The ship, as former bards relate, Argus wrought by the guidance of Athena. But now I will tell the lineage and the names of the heroes, and of the long sea-paths, and the deeds they wrought in their wanderings. May the muses be the inspirers of my song." first then let us name orpheus whom once calliope bare it is said wedded to thracian Oegris near the pimplean height men say that he by the music of his songs charmed the stubborn rocks upon the mountains and the course of rivers and the wild oak trees to this day tokens of that magic strain that grow at zone on the thracian shore stand in order ranks close together, the same which under the charm of his lyre he led down from Pyria. Such then was Orpheus, whom Eason's son welcomed to share his toils, in obedience to the behest of Chiron, Orpheus' ruler of Bestonian Pyrrha. Straightway came Asterion, whom Comedes begat by the waters of Edding Epidanus. He dwelt at Peiraceae, near the philean mountain where mighty Epidenus and bright Enipeus joined their streams coming together from afar next to them from larissa came polyphemus son of elatus who aforetime among the mighty lapithae when they were arming themselves against the centaurs fought in his younger days now his limbs were grown heavy with age but his martial spirit still remained, even as of old. Nor was Iphiclus long left behind in Philace, the uncle of Eason's son, for Eason had wedded his sister Alcimede, daughter of Philicus. His kinship with her bade him be numbered in the host. Nor did Admetus, the lord of Pherae, rich in sheep, stay behind, beneath the peak of the Chalcedonian Mount. Nor at Alope stayed the sons of Hermes, rich in cornland, well-skilled in craftiness, Eritus and Icaen, and with them, on their departure, their kinsman Ithalides went as the third. Him, near the streams of Amphrysis, Eupolimia bare, the daughter of Myrmidon from Thea, the two others were sprung from Antianera, daughter of Menetes. From rich Girton came Coronus, son of Cineus, brave, but not braver than his father. For bards relate that Cineus, though still living, perished at the hands of the centaurs, when apart from other chiefs he routed them. And they, rallying against him, could neither bend nor slay him but unconquered and unflinching he passed beneath the earth overwhelmed by the downrush of massy pines there came two titiresian Mopsus, whom above all men the son of leto taught the augury of birds and eridamus the son of timenus he dwelt at dolopian timene near the zinian lake moreover actor sent his son menedius from opus that he might accompany the chiefs iridion followed and strong Erebodes, one the son of Telion, the other of iris actor's son the son of Telion, renowned eribodes and of iris Eretion. a third with them was oileus peerless in courage and well skilled to attack the flying foe when they break the ranks now from Euboea came Canthus, eager for the quest, whom Canethus, son of Abbas, sent. But he was not destined to return to Cerinthus, for fate had ordained that he and Mopsus, skilled in the seer's art, should wander and perish in the furthest ends of Libya. For no ill is too remote for mortals to incur, seeing that they buried them in Libya, as far from the coccyans as is the space that is seen between the setting and the rising of the sun to him clydius and iphitus joined themselves the warders of icalia sons of uridus the ruthless iridus to whom the far shooting god gave his bow but he had no joy of the gift for of his own choice he strove even with the giver after them came the sons of Aeacus, not both together, nor from the same spot. For they settled far from Aegina in exile, when in their folly they had slain their brother Pheus. Telamon dwelt in the Attic island, but Peleus departed and made his home in Thea. After them, from Cecropia, came warlike beauties, son of brave Telion, and Phalaris of the Ashen Spear. Alcan, his father, sent him forth. Yet no other sons had he to care for his old age and livelihood. But him, his well-beloved and only son, he sent forth that amid bold heroes he might shine conspicuous. But Theseus, who surpassed all the sons of Erechtheus, an unseen bond kept beneath the land of Tenaris, for he had followed that path with Pyrethes, assuredly both would have lightened for all the fulfilment of their toil. Typhis, son of Hagnias, left the Cyphean people of the Thespians, well-skilled to foretell the rising wave on the broad sea, and well-skilled to infer from sun and star the stormy winds and the time for sailing. Tritonian Athena herself urged him to join the band of chiefs, and he came among them a welcome comrade. She herself, too, fashioned the swift ship, and with her Argus, son of Arista, wrought it by her counsels. Wherefore it proved the most excellent of all ships that have made trial of the sea with oars. After them came Phlias from Arithyra, where he dwelt in affluence by the favour of his father, Dionysus, in his home by the springs of Asapis. From Argus came Talaus and Aureus, sons of Bias, and mighty Leudocus, all of whom Pyrrho, daughter of Neleus, bare. On her account, the Aeolid Melampus endured sore affliction in the steading of Iphiclus nor do we learn that Heracles, of the mighty heart, disregarded the eager summons of Isen's son. But when he heard a report of the heroes' gathering, and had reached Lycaean Argus from Arcadia, by the road along which he carried the boar alive that fed in the thickets of Lampia, near the vast Erymanthian swamp, the boar, bound with chains, he put down from his huge shoulders at the entrance to the marketplace of Mycenae and himself of his own will set out against the purpose of eurystheus and with him went hylas a brave comrade in the flower of youth to bear his arrows and to guard his bow next to him came a scion of the race of divine Danos, noplius he was the son of Clytoneus, son of nobilus nobilus was son of lernus lernus we know was the son of praetis son of nauplius and once a Maimony, daughter of denos wedded to poseidon bare nauplius who surpassed all men in naval skill idmon came last of all them that dwelt at argus for though he had learned his own fate by augury he came that the people might not grudge him fair renown he was not in truth the son of abbas but Leta's son himself beget him to be numbered among the illustrious Aeolids, and himself taught him the art of prophecy, to pay heed to birds, and to observe the signs of the burning sacrifice. Moreover, Aetolian Leda sent from Sparta strong Polydeuces and Castor, skilled to guide swift-footed steeds. These her dearly loved sons she bare at one birth in the house of Tyndareus nor did she forbid their departure, for she had thoughts worthy of the Bride of Zeus. The son of Ephraeus, Lynceus, and proud Idas came from Arene, both exulting in their great strength, and Lynceus too, excelled in keenest sight, if the report is true that that hero could easily direct his sight even beneath the earth. And with them Nulean Periclemenus set out to come, eldest of all the sons of godlike Neleus, who were born at Pylos, Poseidon had given him boundless strength, and granted him that whatever shape he should crave during the fight, that he should take in the stress of battle. Moreover, from Arcadia came Amphidamas and Cepheus, who inhabited Tegea, and the allotment of Ophidus, two sons of Aldus. And Encius followed them as the third, whom his father lycurgus sent the brother older than both but he was left in the city to care for elias now growing old while he gave his son to join his brothers antias went clad in the skin of a menalian bear and wielding in his right hand a huge two-edged battle-axe for his armour his grandsire had hidden in the house's innermost recess to see if he might by some means still stay his departure there came also ogeus whom fame declared to be the son of helius he reigned over the eleans glorying in his wealth and greatly he desired to behold the colchian land and eat his himself the ruler of the colchians asterius and amphion sons of hyperasius came from achaean pelene which once peles their grandsire founded on the brows of aegialus after them from Tenarius came Euphemus, whom, most swift-footed of men, Ereb, daughter of mighty Titius, bare to Poseidon. He was wont to skim the swell of the grey sea, and wetted not his swift feet, but just dipping the tips of his toes, was borne on the watery path. Yea, and two other sons of Poseidon came, one Erginus, who left the citadel of glorious Miletus, The other, proud Anchias, who left Parthenia, the seat of Embracian Hera, both boasted their skill in sea-craft and in war. After them, from Caledon came the son of Aeneas, strong Meliagris, and Laucon, Laucon the brother of Aeneas, though not by the same mother, for a serving-woman bare him. Him, now growing old, Aeneas sent to guard his son. Thus Meleagrus, still a youth, entered the bold band of heroes. No other had come superior to him, I ween, except Heracles, if for one year more he had tarried and been nurtured among the Italians, Yea, and his uncle, well skilled to fight, whether with the javelin or hand to hand, Iphiclus, son of Theseus, bare him company on his way. With him came Palamonius, son of Alenian Lernus, of Lernus by repute, but his birth was from Hephaestus, and so he was crippled in his feet, but his bodily frame and his valor no one would dare to scorn. Wherefore he was numbered among all the chiefs, winning fame for Jason. From the Phocians came Iphitus, sprung from Nobolus, son of Ornitus. Once he had been his host, when Jason went to Pytho to ask for a response concerning his voyage, for there he welcomed him in his own hails. Next came Zetes and Calais, son of Boreas, whom once Orithea, daughter of Eurycteus, bare to Boreas on the verge of wintry Thrace. Thither it was that Thracian Boreas snatched her away from Cecropia, as she was whirling in the dance, hard by his stream and carrying her far off to the spot that men called the Rock of Sarpedon, near the river Erginus, he wrapped her in dark clouds and forced her to his will. There they were making their dusky wings quiver upon their ankles on both sides as they rose, a great wonder to behold, wings that gleamed with golden scales, and round their backs from the top of the head and neck, hither and thither, their dark tresses were being shaken by the wind. No, nor had Acastus, son of mighty Peleus himself, any will to stay behind in the palace of his brave sire, nor Argus, helper of the goddess Athena. But they too were ready to be numbered in the host. So many then were the helpers who assembled to join the son of Aeson. All the chiefs, the dwellers thereabout called Miniae, for the most and the bravest avowed that they were sprung from the blood of the daughters of Meneas. Thus Jason himself was the son of Alcimede, who was born of Clymene, the daughter of Meneas. Now, when all things had been made ready by the thralls, all things that fully equipped ships are furnished withal, when men's business leads them to voyage across the sea, then the heroes took their way through the city to the ship where it lay, on the strand that men call magnesian pagasy and a crowd of people hastening rushed together but the heroes shone like gleaming stars among the clouds and each man as he saw them speeding along with their armour would say king zeus what is the purpose of peleus Whither is he driving forth from the panachean land so great a host of heroes on one day they would waste the palace of Etis with baleful fire, Should he not yield them the fleece of his own goodwill. But the path is not to be shunned, The toil is hard for those who venture. Thus they spake here and there throughout the city. But the women often raised their hands to the sky in prayer To the immortals, to grant a return, their heart's desire. And one, with tears, thus lamented to her fellow, Wretched Dulcimede, evil has come to thee at last, though late. Thou hast not ended with splendor of life. Ease too, ill-fated man. Surely better had it been for him if he were lying beneath the earth, enveloped in his shroud, still unconscious of bitter toils. Would that the dark wave, when the maiden Heli perished, had overwhelmed Phrixus, too, with the ram, but a dire portent even sent forth a human voice that it might cause to Alcimede sorrows and countless pains hereafter thus the women spake at the departure of the heroes and now many thralls men and women were gathered together and his mother smitten with grief for jason and the bitter pang seized every woman's heart and with them groaned the father in baleful old age lying on his bed, closely wrapped round. But the hero straightway soothed their pain, encouraging them, and bade the thralls take up his weapons for war. And they, in silence, with downcast looks, took them up. And even as the mother had thrown her arms about her son, so she clung, weeping without stint, as a maiden all alone weeps, falling fondly on the neck of her hoary nurse, a maid who has now no others to care for her. But she drags on a weary life under a stepmother, who maltreats her continually with ever-fresh insults, and as she weeps, her heart within her is bound fast with misery, nor can she sob forth all the groans that struggle for utterance. So without stint wept Alcimede, straining her son in her arms, and, in her yearning grief, spake as follows. With that, on that day, when, wretched woman that I am, I heard King Peleus proclaim his evil behest, I had straightway given up my life and forgotten my cares, so that thou thyself, my son, with thine own hands, mightest have buried me. For that was the only wish left me still to be fulfilled by time, all the other rewards for thy nurture have i long enjoyed now i once so admired among achaean women shall be left behind like a bondwoman in my empty halls pining away ill-fated one for love of thee thee on whose account i had aforetime so much splendour and renown my only son for whom i loosed my virgin zone first and last For to me, beyond others, The goddess Elithea grudged abundant offspring. Alas for my folly! Not once, not even innate dreams, Did I forebode this, That the flight of Phrixus would bring me woe. Thus with moaning she wept, And her handmaidens, standing by, lamented. But Jason spake gently to her, With comforting words. Do not, I pray thee, mother, store up bitter sorrows overmuch, for thou wilt not redeem me from evil by tears, but wilt still add grief to grief, for unseen are the woes that the gods meet out to mortals. Be strong to endure thy share of them, though with grief in thy heart. Take courage from the promises of Athena, and from the answers of the gods, for very favorable oracles has Phoebus given. And then from the help of the chieftains, but do thou remain here, quiet among thy handmaids, and be not a bird of ill omen to the ship. And thither my clansmen and thralls will follow me. End of section one.